We are uh, continuing our study. We're going to be finishing Revelation chapter 20 this morning. All right, so this morning we have a, a sobering passage to go over. And I think if we're being honest, it's, it's a, this is a difficult portion of Scripture. There's no, uh, there's no easy way to say it. So just prepare your hearts as we, as we go over these things. You know, just in, in, in review, right, the, the rapture of the church has happened. The seven years of tribulation is over, right? The, the seven years of God's wrath and judgment is done, is completed. The seals, the trumpets, the bowl, judgments. The Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan himself has been bound and thrown into the bottomless pit. That the the Babylonian system, right, Babylon, the, the religious system, the political system, the commercial system, that one world system has been done away with, is gone. That Jesus has returned in his second coming, right, he came on a white horse, right, king of kings and lord of lords, on his robe and on his thigh. He came, he made an end of these things, he established his kingdom, his throne for a thousand years, what we call the, the millennial reign of Christ, that has now closed, has come to an end. Satan has been released from the bottomless pit, and he was released to then deceive many, proving that even with Jesus reigning for a thousand years on the throne, proving that it's, it's not the environment that's the problem, it's our hearts. That even with Jesus on the throne for a thousand years, Satan was able to deceive many. Because the problem's here. The problem's in our hearts. And so now Satan's being thrown into the lake of fire. That, that rebellion that he, he, he comes with after the thousand years, that rebellion is crushed. And so here we are this morning in, in verse 11. And we're going to be reading verses 11 through 15 this morning. And, and this, is, this is the day that man answers to God. The great white throne judgment. And so if you have your Bibles, if you would join with me, um, in, in reading, the words will be up on the screen for you. It says, the great white throne judgment, verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and books were opened And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according 
to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so, Lord, would you, Lord, just add your blessing to the reading of your word this morning. Lord, as we consider this difficult and sobering passage, Lord, that this is, these are your words, Lord. This is scripture. Lord, this is from the book that you, you promised a blessing for reading it, Lord, for hearing it read. And so, Lord, would you guide us through your text this morning? Go before us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So man, answering to God. And as I mentioned, in, in, in my view, this is probably the most sobering passage in Scripture. And it's sobering because, well, there may be other difficult passages to study, but this is the, the, the finality of judgment. That's it after this. This judgment that's pronounced is for eternity. It's for forever. And so what I'd like to do is, as, as we work through this passage, I want you to consider... A courtroom, a courtroom hearing. And so if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're taking notes this morning, there's four things we want to consider in terms of this, uh, this courtroom. And uh, you know, I've, I've titled this message, The Most Supreme Court. Because that's what this is. This is this, the, the finality of God's judgment. This isn't a, and we're, as we go through this and as we consider this, you're not going to show up here and plead your case. The verdict has already been made. And so the first thing I think we want to consider there in verse 11 is that as we come to verse 11, that court's in session, right? The judge is on his throne Uh, John says there in verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. You're not going before the Supreme Court. You're going before the most Supreme Court. This is preparing what we call the second resurrection. The second resurrection. What was the first resurrection? Well, it started with Jesus, right? That Jesus conquered the grave. And for those of us who are in Christ, those of us who believe in Jesus, um, in in 1 Corinthians 15.20, it tells us that Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits. right? It's because Jesus was resurrected that we can expect a resurrection, right? But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And I love that, right? As you work through, especially for those of, those of us who are in Christ, those of us who believe in Jesus, you know, we don't, we don't call it death. The scripture calls it falling asleep, 
right? Because there will be a resurrection in Christ. But the second resurrection, what we call here, in fact, it's, it's mentioned right there um, in, at the end of verse 14. This is the second death. Or we, we could also say the second resurrection. This is, for, this is for unbelievers. These are for those who have rejected Jesus, the work of of his redemption. This is not a place you want to be. You do not want to find yourself standing before this throne, this great white throne. In fact, Daniel was given a vision of this very thing. In in Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, Daniel says, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool, His throne was like a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery steam issued, I'm sorry, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him, ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Daniel sees this very thing, and, and I think what's the, probably the most sobering to me is Daniel seeing this scene, right? He says, the Ancient of Days is seated on his throne, clothed in white. He says, the court was seated, and he says, who came forth before him was thousands and thousands, a thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And as I already mentioned, this who's standing before God, who's standing before the judge on his great white throne are unbelievers. It's those who have rejected the free gift of salvation offered through Jesus Christ. The atheists who say God doesn't exist are standing there before him. The person who sat in church week after week and said, I'll do that later. They're standing there now. It says thousands upon thousands of them. Standing before the judge. And at this point, court's in session. Daniel mentions it. It's mentioned here in our text that the books are open. It's interesting, it says books, plural. The books are open. And then it says that there's this other book, this book of life. See, the fact is, is your name is going to be written down somewhere. There's a book you want your name in. And then there's books, plural, you don't want it to be in. And so again, get, picture the scene here. Right? God is seated on his throne, this great white throne. John, John says, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. 
and from whose face the earth and heaven have fled away. Heaven and earth are fleeing from the throne. Uh, for, uh, so, I'm sorry, Second Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements, the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burnt up. The church has been raptured. The tribulation is over. Jesus has come back. He's established his throne throne for a thousand years. And now that the thousand years is over, heaven and earth are being consumed. The only thing that is left for John to see is this great white throne. Heaven and earth have fled away. It's gone. The heavens have passed away. The elements are burning up, Peter says, with a fervent heat. The earth is fleeing. There is, get this, there's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to stand. It is just his throne. There's no hiding place. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. There is no escape from God's judgment. um, Going back to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, he says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. This is that day where heaven and earth have passed away, where judgment is pronounced. Philippians 2 9 through 11 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there's going to come a day When every knee bows, every tongue will confess who Jesus is. And as we've come to this, and and (laughs) the encouraging thing, if, if there's anything encouraging about this passage, is that it's given to us. Is that we have evidence of it. And that today, while it's still today, there's an opportunity to repent. There's an opportunity to come and say, I don't want to stand before this throne. That we have the opportunity today, here and now, to confess who Jesus is. To proclaim him. Amen. Amen. There is no escape from God's judgment. Even for those of us who are in Christ, there's no escape from God's judgment. The difference is is that we see it satisfied in Jesus. And isn't that amazing? It's not that... It's not that my sins aren't judged. 
It's that he took it for me. He was judged in my place. And that's the picture. The church of God. Those in Christ. It's not that we're not there. It's that we have an advocate standing there saying, no, these are mine. Right? That we get to stand with him. So court is in session. And in verse 2, the evidence, I'm sorry, in verse 12, the evidence is brought. Right, there's this, this, this great white throne. Heaven and earth are fleeing away. There's found no place for them to go. And in verse 12, it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, and they're standing before God. He says, And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged. Listen to this. The, the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. You see the picture here is this, and, and Daniel himself even calls it the court. They're seated in court. The judge is on the throne. And as they're standing before this great white throne, books are being brought in. And the books are being opened. And the book of life is there. It says books plural and this other book, the book of life. And if you're standing before this great white throne, that book of life is only there as proof that your name is not in it. You see, what's happening here is the evidence, right? The evidence is being brought before the judge. And it's like, yeah, you're not in this book. So let's grab these other books. Let's find your name. And let's see what it has to say. The books are being opened. See, there's only two ways in which we can come to God. We can either come to God by faith in Christ we can come to God based on our own works and our own merits. That's, those are the only options we have. It's either what I can offer or it's what Christ offers. We either come to God on the basis of Christ and his finished work on the cross or we come to Christ based on my works and what I did to earn this space. Faith in Jesus means our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if we come to God on that basis, as I mentioned, we stand with him. He's our advocate. He goes to the judge and says, no, no, I paid their penalty. I paid for them. They're mine. But if you would rather approach God on your own merits, on your own works, you can. That's an option for you. It's the only other option. Works means we stand before God based on how we lived our lives, based on what these books have to say about us. Our deeds recorded. The record that God keeps. 
Do you know that, that God has a bottle in heaven for every one of your tears? God is an excellent record keeper. Those times when you thought you were alone, when no one knew, no one heard you, no one knew the pain you were in. But God was bottling up those tears for you. He's an excellent record keeper. And I'll tell you what. Those things I said in the privacy of my own home when no one could hear me, he heard. He knew. Even the things I didn't say but just thought it in my head, he knows. And it's been recorded. Let me tell you, there are some things in my life I wish weren't recorded. So if we... If we want to, we can approach God based on our own works and based on our own merits and say, God, was this enough? Does this measure? You see, the, the only standard is perfection, though. That's the standard. It's perfection. So when these books are opened, is that what's going to be portrayed? Is that what's going to be shown of your life is Perfection. Because that's the standard. That's the measure in which these books are going to be read out. And you remember Jesus in the garden? As he was sweating great drops of blood? Saying, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. Any other way. And yet God said, no, this, this is the only way. And Jesus went to that cross. He bore our sin. He cried from that cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That in that moment, as he bore my sin and your sin, he was able to cry, it is finished. I've paid for it. It's done. And then we're going to approach God and say, well, open my book. What does it say? Let me bring what I have to offer. And Jesus standing there saying, he said there was no, I asked him if there was any other way. There's no other way. If you're going to insist on coming to God based on your own merits, on your own deeds, then rest assured these books will be opened. I mean, just picture it. I mean, the most solemn place, right? The, the great white throne, the judgment of God. And you're going to stand there. And I'm going to turn to the page that says, Mitch Inglis, born December 22nd, 1983. First sin, December 22nd, 1983. <laughs> and then from there, it just continues. Luke 12, 47 and 48 says, And that the servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know 
yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. John 19.11 says, Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Matthew 26.24 says, The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man had he not been born. And, and I can't say with absolute certainty because Scripture just isn't 100% clear on this, but it would seem, at least from a cursory re- reading, that there are perhaps levels of judgment. And so when you stand before this great white throne judgment, and when that judgment is cast, I mean, it's, it's, it's eternal separation from God. But there are these verses that seem to indicate that there are more stripes for some and less for others. It doesn't shorten it by any means. It's still eternal. It's still forever. I mean, it talks about it would have been better for Judas to not even be born. And this is sobering to me because the longer I'm on this earth, the bigger my book gets. the more I have to be accountable for. Scripture does seem, at least to me, to indicate there are some varying degrees of sins and then the punishment for them. But I can also tell you that knowing the character of God, knowing who who he is, that God is just, he is fair. It will be appropriate. However this, this judgment is laid out, it will be fair. It'll be just. It'll be appropriate but the beautiful thing is that there's another book there's another book the lamb's book of life and if you are saved this morning if you are called by his name if if you're a son or a daughter of god if you have put your faith and your trust in the lord jesus christ your name is in that book the lamb's book of life Our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Removed. Removed. It's it's like God, there's the other book. We don't need this one anymore because he's in this book. His name's written there. So, all right, so my name's written in the Lamb's book of life, right? So now my deeds my offerings, what I bring to, to God doesn't matter now, right? It's, it's as far as the east is from the west. So does this mean I can live how I want? I can do what I want without consequence? Right? Wrong. Wrong. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by our faith in Jesus... And not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh 
shall be justified. So there's nothing I can do. There's no works that I can offer God that'll measure up. When we stand at that great white throne judgment and that book is opened, that's not you pleading your case. Well, let me explain why I said that. God, let me explain to you. There's, there's a perfectly reasonable explanation, explanation for why that happened. No. It is simply to pronounce judgment. No works of the law. It is only faith. But here's the thing. For those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who have faith in him, First Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You see, for those of us in Christ, we may not stand before the judgment, right? Our judgment was paid for by Jesus, covered by the blood of the Lamb. But we will stand before him. We will stand before Jesus, what we call the, the bima seats, the Greek word bima. And it was, bima means an elevated platform that was for the giving of rewards. Usually after a race or some sort of victory, you would stand on the bima seat to receive your rewards, You see, we're going to stand at the bema seat of Christ. We are going to stand before Jesus. And and we're going to be judged for the works that we did. More, less the works that we did, more the motives behind why we did what we did. Not at a basis for for salvation, not not, not to gain access into the presence of God, but to determine our rewards. You see, the Bema Seat is a judgment for our works and our motives. It's not a judgment for our soul. The Great White Throne Judgment is a judgment of our souls based on our works. You see the difference? The Bema Seat is the judgment of our works, not our soul. The White Throne Judgment is a judgment of our souls based on our works. And rest assured, our works are known by God. As I've already mentioned, he's, he's an excellent record keeper. He's got volumes of books. Seven times in, in Revelation chapters two and three, seven times Jesus says, I know your works. He said it to each one of the, the seven churches. I know your works. I know them. So the question for us this morning must be where is your name written? What book contains your name? There's a book in heaven with your name on it. The question this morning is which one contains your name. Is it the book of life? Is it the Lamb's book of life? Or is it these other books, plural, that are mentioned here? You know, John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would, not, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, 
that where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. He says, my father's house has many mansions. Right, and Thomas, Lord, we don't know. I mean, Jesus makes the, 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 the statement there. I go to prepare a place for you. And the way, and the, uh, he says, and where I go, you know. And the way, you know. And Thomas is like, uh, we don't, what are you talking about? We don't know the way. Lord, show us the way. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I love Colossians chapter 2. Verses 13 and 14. Paul says, And you, being dead in your trespasses, right? So the dead are standing before the great white throne judgment, right? The the dead are there. Those in their trespasses are there. Paul says, Being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. And listen to this having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he, Jesus, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Where's your book if you're in Christ this morning? Those pages have been torn out. They've been nailed to the cross of Jesus, and they've been removed. Right? As my book gets longer and longer and longer, I'm reminded that it's been erased. Those pages have been torn out. Jesus says, no, I paid for that. And if you're in Christ this morning, Jesus has ripped out the pages to your book too. He nailed them to the cross. Paul says they were nailed to the cross, the handwriting of requirements that was against us. That's the picture. That's what we're looking at here. These books are being opened and it is the handwriting of requirements that is against them. These are all the things that are against you. And we get to stand next to our advocate, Jesus, where he says, nope, those pages are gone. Well, the evidence has been brought. Court's in session. In verses 13, there is a court summons to appear before the judge. It says, The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. The evidence has been brought. The verdict 
is being handed down. And so they must be summoned before the judge. The sea, death, Hades. In other words, the APB went wide. Everyone is included. All are being brought before the throne. You know what all means in the Greek? It means all. And that's all that it means. Listen, when, when God created man, he created man in his image. We bear his image, which means we are eternal beings. He created us for eternity, for the purposes of eternity. And this is the sobering thought. It means we will live eternally somewhere. We will live forever somewhere. It will either be in the presence of God, it will be in the presence of the Lord, or it will be in a Christless eternity called the lake of fire. That's it. Those are the only options. And I understand this is this is difficult. But from the beginning of time to now, through the seven years of tribulation, through the thousand years of Christ ruling and reigning on his throne, all of mankind will answer to God. It says small or great back in verse 12. There's no small or great. It doesn't matter who you were, rich, poor, if you were a king or a subject, male or female, young or old, educated, non-educated. It doesn't matter. God doesn't show partiality. And, and if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, if you're here and you don't yet believe, if you're watching online, if you're listening to this message later and you don't believe, listen, today is the day of salvation. Today. Don't put it off tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. If your, t- if your pages haven't been written out, uh, ripped out yet, if your plan, and, I, and I've heard people say this, right? Oh man, when I, when I get to heaven, I have a thing or two to say to God. No, you don't. <laughs> Trust me, it's already been written down and he knows. You don't get to plead your case. It'll simply just be a reading of your judgment and why you're worthy of judgment. What does your book say? How will your book be read? When you receive this court summons, when you're summoned before the judge, how do you think it'll go for you? Honestly, like, how do you think it's going to go? Acts 24, verses 15 and 16 says, I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead 
both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. John chapter 5, 28 and 29 says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Listen, standing before a holy God, offering only your own merits because you've chosen to reject the free gift of Jesus, knowing he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Those standing at this great white throne will be sent off into eternity with a body prepared for this judgment. You know, in in Luke's gospel, I'm going to just turn there real quick. In Luke's gospel, in chapter 16, we're given this story, right? Jesus tells us that there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at this gate. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And so it was that the beggar died. And he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, of, uh, Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from here, from there pass to us. And he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest, also, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, they have Moses, they have the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes from them, if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, "If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead." One did rise from the dead, right? The person Jesus. And yet they still don't believe. There are still those who don't believe. Abraham says that they have Moses. They have the prophets hear them. What does scripture tell us, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. God. 
there is a temporary holding place. And when this day comes, the great white throne judgment, all those not in Christ will stand before God. Well, the last thing we want to consider is not just that court's in session, not just that evidence has been brought, not just that they've been summoned before the throne, but that the sentence gets handed down. In verses 14 and 15, death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The sentence gets handed down. I'm sure you've heard this before. If you're born once, you have to die twice. If you're born twice, you only have to die once. You get in the picture here? God has designed a special courtroom for the tr- purpose of judging mankind, this great white throne judgment. The redeemed are there standing with their advocate, Jesus. Jesus saying, I paid for them. The sea, death, Hades, they've given up the dead. The books have been opened. All the sinful deeds have been recorded. And now the sentence gets handed down. They're cast into the lake of fire. Mark's gospel says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than, rather than having two hands to go into hell with. Into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus said in Matthew 25, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen to me. The lake of fire was made and prepared for Satan and for his demons. It wasn't meant for man. This judgment is the most sobering picture in scripture and yet it is also the most avoidable it's given to us right right before us we we can read it and know what that judgment is and we can avoid it today and know that we've avoided it it's the most sobering thing and it is the most avoidable thing and i understand this is a hard truth Listen, the same word used for eternal life is the same word used for eternal death. I'm sorry, but there is no annihilation. It's not that we cease to exist. We will exist and we will exist for eternity, either in Christ or apart from Christ. We have to be careful to not let our emotions and our senses guide what Scripture clearly says. This might be a hard thing to hear. It might be difficult to sit and ponder. And believe me, I didn't want to have to give this message. 
It breaks my heart that this has to even exist. It's avoidable. No one has to go. And I hope for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us, if you're a believer this morning, I pray this, mo- this message moves us to compassion for the loss. And listen, if you are not in Christ this morning, if you are not a believer, if you had not made a profession of Christ this morning, listen, God has been waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He's long suffering. This hasn't happened yet because he's waiting for you this morning. Peter says in, in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow, next week, next month. Satan will always tell you you can do that tomorrow and God will always expect you to do it today. Listen, God is in no hurry to send anyone into hell. And this comforts me, man. When I look at the world today and I sit here and sometimes I go, man, God, how much longer are you going to tolerate this world And then as I say that, in the next breath, I'm like, praise the Lord that he tolerates us. That he's willing to wait for you and for me to come to that place of repentance. Let's close with this. Isaiah 1 says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Come now, let us reason together. Though our sins were like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. He is willing today, right here, right now, to remove the pages of your book that stand against you. To nail them to his cross. You know, when you get married, and for those of you this morning that maybe you are married, and you've said those those marriage vows, right? When you, when you stand there, what do you say? You say, I do, right? Like that's like, if there's any part in a marriage vow, it's the I do part, right? That seems to be pretty, it's not, well, I hope so. You're gonna stand before your spouse and say, man, I hope so. No, right? You're not gonna stand there and say, well, maybe. No, you say, I do, And when you say, I do, what are you doing? You are making a declaration of your will. You are standing there, hopefully looking that person in the eye, saying, I do. I will. 
I am making a declaration, a vow, a promise. Listen, God will not impose his will on you. He wants you to come freely. He wants you to say, I will. He's not going to force it on you. He's not going to impose it. God is a gentleman. And he's going to offer it to you and say, come freely. I want it to be your choice. I want you to come willingly. His offer, his will for you, what he wants for you is eternal life. What he wants for you is forgiveness. What he wants to do is cleanse you of your sin. But you have to come to him. And I love that picture, right? Reconciliation. He forgives us of our sins, but we have to come to him and be reconciled to him. We have to come to him and say, yes, God, I want that free gift. I want to be reconciled with you. I want the handwriting that is against me to be, ri- to be erased, to be removed, to be forgiven, to be nailed to your cross. And so once again, this morning, if that is not you this morning, would you come to him? Would you bend the knee? Would you commit your life to Jesus Christ? He's forgiven you of your sins. He offers it freely. This great white throne is the... It, it's avoidable. You don't have to stand there. You don't have to have your life's work read before you. You never have to see that book opened. And I, for one, am grateful that my book will never be read. That I get to stand with Jesus, my advocate. Right? That's the setting. That's the, the, the stage. The judge is seated. He's at his throne. And as they pull the binding of my book out from the stack, Jesus approaches the judge. And says, not that one. That one's mine. And when they open the book, it's just an empty book. There's nothing there because Jesus paid for it. So would you come to Christ this morning? Would you accept his free gift? Lord, we thank you. We praise you for your word, Lord, and... Lord, as difficult as this passage is, Lord, there's so much comfort in knowing that we don't have to stand there. Lord, we don't have to hear our book being read out, our works and our deeds judged before a holy and a perfect God. That instead we can listen to those words where I, it is finished. It's done. Nothing can be added to something that is finished. And so, Lord, for those of us this morning that perhaps don't know you, that perhaps have never made that profession, Lord, we, Lord, the opportunity is now. It's before us to make a profession of faith, to say how much we love you, how much we need you. Lord, that we want our sins forgiven. We want our slate wiped clean to be as white as snow. And it's offered to us because of the work of your son. Lord, we're going to partake of communion here in a moment. And 
remember the work that was done on the cross, that your body was given, your blood was shed to pay for our sins, to take the penalty that was due us and bear it yourself so that we can come freely and say, I believe, I trust you. I want you in my life, Lord. I want to follow you. And so, Lord, we thank you for this morning for your word. We thank you that you offer forgiveness. You offer salvation. That you've redeemed us. Lord, would you go before us the rest of today? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.